1: Kind of fell into place for everybody except City.
2: I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 364 of Low Limit Football on this 13th of August, 2022. I am your host, Joe Uselo, and tonight Bayern, PSG, and Manchester City all flex their muscle in opening match wins in their respective leagues. The transfer window is still open with Philip Kostic, Alexis Sanchez, and Timo Werner all making big moves this week. And Spain and Italy are set to get started this weekend. Last week, we gave you our a Serie A preview, but this week we'll be joined by La Liga TV's Semra Hunter to break down the 2022-2023 La Liga season, but first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
2: Good, good, good. Uh, very excited. The last two leagues, uh, including the Serie A, is uh, kicking off this weekend, so uh, like like I tweeted last week, uh, so much for weekend productivity, um, that is really going to be you know, destroyed now. Uh, with all the leagues going. And obviously, MLS is really in the in the thick of it. They had the MLS All-Star game this week as well. Uh, MLS, I believe, 2-1 winners over uh, Liga MX All-Stars in that one. Um, but obviously, just an exhibition match. We also had some pretty exciting uh, Libertadores action this week with uh, even penalty shootouts. So uh, it's been one heck of a week of football, and the weekends are, are full of it as well. So now we're in the full swing. And we are 100 days, uh, just under 100 days, to the World Cup. So... Careful oh. now.
1: They might change it again.
2: Yeah, yeah. there's, a, there's the motion, right, to uh, to move uh, the Qatar-Ecuador match one day earlier? They've already done it. Oh, they did. I haven't seen the results yet.
1: Yeah, they moved it one oh. day earlier. Oh, they so, did. 20, so. so November 20th is the is the Qatar Ecuador game and then November 21st is the Senegal Netherlands game
2: breaking news there you go so all right but we have we have a great show and like I said earlier we are joined by La Liga TV Semra Hunter uh, to break down La Liga season Um, whether we're talking about strength of Real Madrid or the disaster that Barcelona is uh, we're going to definitely touch on all of that in just a little bit but first I have a trivia question for you my friend if you're ready for it Let's do it. And this is a pretty easy one. Um, it is uh, in per, you know pertaining to La Liga, since we're going to be La Liga heavy today. Uh, I want you to give me the top five La Liga winners by amounts. Who's won the La-, La Liga the most amount of times? Give me the top five. Well, two of them already off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty... Yeah, yeah. Hell,
1: even three. Even the top three is on the bat.
2: So now four and five are going to be a little tougher for you. But again... Yep. Uh, top five winners and we'll give you that answer at the end of the show so let's get into opening thoughts a a segment that we haven't had here in a couple of weeks given that we've been so busy with previewing our leagues Um, but uh, an interesting uh, thing came out this week the 2022 Ballon d'Or nominees Uh, and I will read the nominees to you Uh, I believe this is a short list of uh, either 20 or 25 something like that but they are Karim Benzema, Robert Lewandowski, Human Song, Cristiano Ronaldo, Mohamed Salah, Christopher Nkunku, Joshua Kimmich, Vinicius Jr., Luis Diaz, Bernardo Silva, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Rafael Leao, Thibaut Courtois, Casemiro, Fabinho, Riyad Mahrez, Harry Kane, Mike Magnan, Darwin Nunez, Phil Foden, Sadio Mane, Sebastian Allaire, Luka Modric, Kevin De Bruyne, Antonio Rudiker, Dusan Vlahovic, Virgil van Dyke, Joao Cancelo, Kylian Mbappe, Erling Holland is the final list of the 2022 Ballon d'Or nominees. Two names pointed out by Siri, uh, CBS Sports Golazo are um, ominously missing from this list in Lionel Messi and Neymar, uh, both of them off the list. And, if, and I'm going to scan through very, very, very quickly because I don't recall seeing any PSG players on this list in the final list for the Ballon d'Or. No,
1: there's one.
2: No, there's one. Uh, who am I missing? Who am I missing? Um, who am I missing? Let's see. Benzema, Real Madrid. Lewandowski, now Barcelona. Human Song, Tottenham Hotspur. Cristiano is United. Salaz Liverpool, Liverpool. Nkuku is um, over at Leipzig. Joshua Kimmich is Bayern Munich. Vinicius, Real Madrid. Luis Diaz now at Liverpool. Bernardo Silver, Manchester City. Trent Alexander, Arnold. Liverpool. Rafael Leal, um, Milan. Thibaut Courtois, Real Madrid. Casemiro, uh, uh, Real Madrid. Fabinho, Liverpool. Riyad Mahrez, City. Harry-, Harry Kane, Tottenham Hotspur. Mike Magnan is, um, is the goalkeeper at Milan. Darwin Nunez, who is now over at Liverpool, came from, uh, from, from Portugal. Phil Foden, Manchester City. Sadio Mane is Liverpool. Sebastian Allaire is, uh, is now Bruce Dortmund, but went to them from Ajax. Ajax, yep. Luka Modric, Real Madrid. Kevin De Bruyne City, Antonio Rüdiger, Chelsea now Real Madrid, Dusan Vlahovic, Juventus, Virgil van Dijk is uh, Liverpool, Yo, Joao Cancelo is uh, Manchester City, Kylian Mbappe. Why did, how did I miss there that? And Erling Holland, who is not dormant. At least I know where everybody plays. Um, yeah, there you go. But, uh, but obviously Mbappe is there, but uh, Messi and Neymar are not. What are your thoughts on Messi and Neymar missing, especially with a team that that did win a couple of titles last year?
1: Yeah, and and this is primarily, I mean, I think there is going to be that debate even from last year, even when people thought that Messi didn't even deserve to win the Ballon d'Or last year when, you know, the second half of the year of 2021 was where he kind of dipped a little bit. Of course, he won the Copa America and he dragged a a really poor Barcelona side, I think, to a Copa del Rey title, and, and then all the disaster that happened when he left to go there to PSG, so... It's kind of. It was a disappointing season. I mean, yes, he did. I think he led the league in assists, or right around there, last season. But he had a really poor return. I think he had like 11 goals in all competitions. Which we've been accustomed to Lionel Messi, obviously, for god knows how many years. 11 goals in all competitions after 34 games is, it's not good. Right. <laughs> so I can get that. But um, you know, it, people want to count out the bad goals and all that. But if this was truly a goal-scoring Ballon d'Or, then, you know, you have the likes of a Darwin Nunez, who did well at Benfica, was the top goal scorer there, helped them reach the quarterfinals of the of the Champions League. Sebastian Ailer did well at Ajax, he scored like 34 goals in all something, competitions, something, something
2: along the it was something Yeah, crazy. He and, and get and a the, good return. And the performance in the Champions League, too, of course. You That's
1: know. it, yeah. Dushan Valovic, who had a really good season at Fiorentina, then moved to Juventus, and you know, did somewhat decent over there as well. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of goal scorers is what I'm really looking at, more so than players who have won collectively. Now, Messi and Neymar obviously won trophies at their clubs, but let's be honest, Joe. I mean, would you put Neymar and Messi over any of these players that are on this list? Now, mind you, what's interesting about this Ballon d'Or is that it's the first time that's going to be based on the result of the season and not the year. Because if it was for the year, I think Messi and Neymar would have still been able, to, still been able to go in there. Hell, I mean, obviously the World Cup would have had huge precedent on that. But I guess if it's going based on season, you kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Because, but then, then again, that that changes a lot of things because then you're just basing it off players who did well for the clubs that won mm-hmm. titles or scored a lot of goals. And that's what I'm seeing, right? I, you know,
2: first off, I mean, do you put them on there? Who do you take off? Let's let's be honest. Let's look at this list and understand that, you know, there's really only two, three names at the end of this list that that are going to be sitting on that stage, right? Karim Benzema is probably going to be there. Robert Lewandowski is probably going to be there. Kylian Mbappe probably going to be there, right? Those are the okay. those are the three names that you would expect. When the final vote happens, one you,
1: of the three. There's, there's a lot of. I think I personally think they're are different names, but that's just one of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe Kevin De Bruyne. Or would you put that, him possibly on the De list? De Bruyne,
1: well? Salah, right. Mane.
2: So I think Sala and Mane cancel each other out. Okay, I th- and, I, and and to an extent, I would even cancel out Luis Diaz because he only played at Liverpool for half the season.
1: All right. Okay. No, no. I, I, but but here's the thing that that mm. then you look at consistency. I think De Bruyne should be in there for being the best player in the best league. Sure. Is, I, I, but I, then I, again, all right, if you're, that's your argument too, then what about the likes of Vinicius, who scored in the final of the Champions League, or Maldrich, how great he did in that campaign as well.
2: Right. You know, Vinicius, although he had a good season, I think if you're going to take Vinicius or Kareem Benzema, you take Kareem Benzema. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now, arguably, he's the best striker in the
1: world. I, the yeah, world. and I, I think in agreement, I think... Unless you say otherwise, I think Benzema is the clear favorite for me to win this Ballon d'Or. I would, right.
2: I would also agree with that statement myself as well. I think okay. Karim Benzema is probably going to win this Ballon d'Or. Um, you know, I, I look back at Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he had he was the top goal scorer for Manchester United. He did nothing for Manchester United. Look at where United finished. I, I mean,
1: sixth, I, sixth place, no trophies.
2: Yeah, I would I would probably be willing to pull Ronaldo off of this list in favor of Messi or
1: Neymar. <laughs> Do you know what I mean because Yo, or even take out both at the same time sure and then that's but then that, that's well eventually that's gonna happen eventually sure. like these those names won't appear for long yeah I mean
2: um you know but look at all the love that Liverpool got on this list as well uh, salah uh, Luis yep. Diaz technically um, Trent Alexander Arnold uh, Fabinho. Oh, uh, uh, well, I'm missing Sadio Mane there is uh, Virgil van Dyke so six players. Um, and, and i 'm just scanning quick, there might be one more i 'm just looking quickly no no that 's it yeah so yeah. six six players off of liverpool I mean, that for a team that won did not win the league did not win the champions League right mm. they were finalists, but they didn 't win the champions league won two domestic cups as well they won two domestic cups um you know the f a cup and the uh, and the community shield right if I remember
1: uh, yes and the um
2: the, uh, oh, the both. the Carabao Cup there. The Carabao League Cup, yeah, y- yeah, or yep. or, or as, as Tom Rennie would call the Moose Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, those are nice. Those are nice, but no one's but to put six players on that list for yeah. for for league cups. You know, it does, that doesn't feel right to me. Same so,
1: amount as City, by the way, if you look at but it. But City won Same the Premier amount. League. City won the Premier League. Yep.
2: Okay, and you know, so that's so again, I would probably be more inclined to have a city player ahead of a Liverpool player. So, so guys like Trent Alexander Arnold, I would even argue Virgil van Dijk probably don't belong in this list. Okay. Um, I would actually, I'm going to argue one more and you know, God forgive me, but, uh, do Sam Vlaovic. Okay. finished second in Italy to, to Ciro Immobile in goal scoring.
1: Yeah. Why is Immobile it.
2: not on this list? Oh, well, here's the thing too. And Juve won go- nothing. Juve won yeah. nothing.
1: So yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, here, here's another thing, too. Mm. You have two Milan players. I get, I get Rafael Leal is the most important player, yeah. and Mike Magnin as well. That's all, but only two goalkeepers on this list? What about the likes of a, an Allison or an Ederson or, you know. Um, or Mendy. Or Mendy, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, he, won, yeah. he won the Africa Cup of
2: Nations with yeah. Senegal. Absolutely. Why not? Why, especially because of that. You yeah. know, he...
1: W- two player two players on Tottenham, Harry Kane, and, okay, I get Hungman song because he finished as top goal scorer. Harry yeah. Kane didn't.
2: Right. So so why is Harry Kane there when another team that didn't win anything? Right. Now, granted, they got into top four. They're going to Champions League. That's nice. But again, what did they win? But again... You got,
1: then you got two players who, you know, for the bulk of the season, were playing outside of the top five leagues. And this is obviously Darwin Nunez and Sebastian Haller, both have Ben Vika and Ajax. Right. So
2: there's another option. So it's... So again, when we when we talk about this list, you know, th- this list is designed. I, I really feel like this list is designed to be a little controversial, mm-hmm. uh, as it always is. Every yeah, year. And, and and ultimately, the, the the three or four players that are sitting on the stage to accept that award are going to be, like we said, Benzema, Lewandowski, uh, De Bruyne, and who was the fourth that we pick? Mbappe. Mbappe, you know? Salah I, maybe. I, maybe. Maybe maybe because I don't think Salah. I I personally don't think Salah. I wouldn't put Salah ahead of after the after what we looked at or what we saw. Benzema, Lewandowski, um, given that uh, City won what they won, De Bruyne and Mbappe all make sense to me. And then so you ask yourself, if you go with those four players sitting on the stage, who do you take off of that stage to put Mo Salah on there, knowing that he's probably not going to win?
1: That's it. Yeah. I mean, all right, then. All right. how about this then? Sure. Then, then, then go for your top three
2: then, right there. Uh, so third place, I would put Lewandowski third. I would put De Bruyne second. I would put Benzema first.
1: I would put Benzema first, De Bruyne second. I was leaning towards Salah, but then you gave me a good point about Mm. his kind of his contribution. He had a good first half. He did. Second half, he kind of dipped a little bit. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll say Lewandowski as
2: well. So I mean, that's so there we are. So does the omission of Neymar and or Messi matter? No, because. Let's look at Neymar and Messi. Would you put Neymar or Messi on the stage instead of Benzema, Lewandowski, De Bruyne, or even Kylian Mbappe, who we, we pretty much have solidified the fact that he was the best player on PSG last year?
1: No, I don't think so, but exactly. I still think he's one of they're both one of the best 30 players in the world. Well, oh, of course. Absolutely. That, zero argument from me.
2: Absolutely zero argument. He was one of the top five players in the world. Kylian Mbappe we're talking about, right? No, no, Messi and Neymar. Oh, Messi and Neymar, people. yeah, sure. I would I in the
1: in the, the short list.
2: Yeah, like I I would say he belongs in the short list. Um who do you want to take off? Do you want to take off Casemiro? Do you want to take off um, Trent Alexander Arnold? Those are probably the two that I would start to look at.
1: I'll take out too many Liverpool players. I'll take out Fabinho.
2: Sure. Uh, that's another one I was gonna point out. Yep. I'll
1: take out Fabinho and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I do that. I would do that and all right, if, if we're gonna do that, then out of the out of Nunez and Holler.
2: I would take ah. Nunez. I would take Nunez, Nunez off Nunez. because Holler had a great
1: uh, Champions League. He did have a good Champions League. Nunez did too, though. But I think Holler was just a bit better. So yeah, I'll take Nunez out.
2: There we go. So and then we put Neymar, and Messi on, knowing that they don't get on that final stage.
1: Nope, so. not at all. I, I don't even. Hell, Joe, I don't even know if they would even make the top ten.
2: I, I'm in agreement with you. So if you go top ten, Benzema, Lewandowski, uh, in, in no order. In, in, order. in no order, Benzema, Lewandowski, De Bruyne, Mbappe. We've already, we've already. That's four. Given That's that four. four. I'll put Salah uh, in there. Salah. Okay, Sala 5. Yeah, I would actually yeah. I would want to put Cancelo in there at 6. His his year last year was ridiculous.
1: Even Rodri as well is not even on that list too. True. And he had a really good. True. He was really
2: going in that midfield. I would I would put Rafael Leao. Okay. Ooh. For his contribution what for what he did for Milan? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. okay. Um Nkuku had an incredible year at Leipzig. I would put him gotta on. got
1: to put we got to put the Real Madrid players though. So, I yeah. think
2: I would put Vinicius. Yeah, went double digits in. Absolutely
1: in 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 um at Real Madrid. And uh, you know
2: maybe Modric, but I think now we're starting to scrape the barrel. Do you put Korts, Modric? Well,
1: I I think a goalkeeper should always be considered top ten. So Courtois should go in there.
2: Oh, and you know what? I I I agree with you. There's there's a piece of me that wants to put Magnan in just for what he did. No, at, no. Well, he was the cha- he was Yeah, a big but if difference. you win the
1: Champions League and La Liga, yeah, La
2: Liga. I, I I I agree. I'm agreeing. am I'm, I'm just thinking it's close. But I would agree. With Kortor, Kortor, uh, I, I
1: personally don't think, but I get what you're saying.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I I would agree with that top
1: ten. And and yeah. Holland, I think you got to put uh, actually uh, again, well, right? To be fair, yeah. You, even Holland, he he didn't even he was really he was injured for a lot of that season. He was, if you remember. He yeah. was. And, but he had a really insane goal return. He had like 29 goals in, in 30 games. Yeah. So. But
2: uh, but again, what did Dortmund win? Nothing. Right. So for the same reasons, we're putting Leao in there, right? We we yep. we've got to keep Holland off. All the other ones are pretty much winners, except maybe uh, what him in song, but he won the goal. Uh, yeah,
1: Tottenham. Yeah. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that list of of top ten, and uh, and I'm comfortable with saying Kouin even Benzema's... in Cuckoo,
1: and he he won he won a title with Leipzig yes, last season,
2: exactly, and he had a, a fantastic season, and he was the best player for uh, yeah. for RB Leipzig. Yeah, that's it, no doubt. So yeah, I mean, and 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 again, it's, it's funny having to
1: debate about this without me even mentioning Messi or Ronaldo.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. Listen, Ronaldo's one of the ones I'm pulling off the list.
1: You know? Yeah, I mean, I so too. And, and, and this is not blasphemy. I mean, oh, you no, it? no. I think there's a lot of people that feel that way too. Uh, Hell, he was in the team of the year for the Premier League. I didn't think he was I, I best didn't. best in his position. No, I didn't think
2: so. No, but but it's the name. So just like yeah. just like everyone might be up in arms because Neymar and Messi aren't on the list, it's because the name. Ultimately, when you look at the book of business, there were better players. There, yeah. were, there were were and, and
1: it's fine to recognize that. Absolutely. It's
2: fine to recognize that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's table the discussion of the Ballon d'Or. We'll have to find out, I believe, at the end of the year uh, who will get the actual yeah. award. Uh, uh,
1: October 17th.
2: There you go. So we'll find out in a couple months. But we'll table that discussion because pressing matters are upon us and La Liga season is about to kick off. We talked quite a bit about Real Madrid here um, and the dumpster fire that is Barcelona. Looking like they're going to sign in and be able to play their players um but again, like I tweeted earlier today, uh they might as well hold a lemonade stand because it seems like they're having a garage sale. So, you know, mm-hmm. might as well sell everything, make a few bucks and see what they can do. But again, we're gonna dive into that. Uh we were lucky enough earlier to be joined by Semura Hunter from La Liga TV, uh who broke down the entire uh La Liga season. We made our predictions for the winners, the top four, who we think will also be relegated. Uh, And it was a fantastic discussion. So without further ado, the Semra Hunter interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from La Liga TV, Semra Hunter Semra. Welcome back to the show. It is always wonderful to have you on. I want to start out with a look at the defending champions, Real Madrid. Obviously won La Liga last season. They also won uh, the Champions League, as everyone knows. Uh, and you look at uh, some of the some of the names in the midfield, right? and they've added uh, Arlen Chuameni, uh, which I know I always butcher his name. Uh, they have <laughs> Eduardo Ed- Camavinga. You're not they- the
0: only one. Okay,
2: good. <laughs> I'm I'm in good company then. Um, they added Camavinga uh, last season as well. They have Fede Valverde, and this is really the backup midfield to Casemiro, Tony Cruz, and Luka Modric. There is an enormous wealth in the midfield, which is probably this, one of the greatest strengths any one football club could have. Um, but you look on the other side and look at Karim Benzema, and they really don't have an answer or a replacement for Karim Benzema. So looking at the way they're structured, I, I personally think that they are, are primed to repeat, especially with a guy like Carlo Ancelotti. But what are your views on Real Madrid opening up the season this year?
0: I think overall they look very solid and look very strong, and I think they've picked up right where they've left off. Carlo Ancelotti is someone who is very loyal to his players. He likes to reward them for the hard work, for the effort that they put in day in, day out. And so he stuck with the same starting eleven that won the Champions League. That was the reward they got to play last night in in the European Super Cup, and they won. And they run with, let's say, relative ease. And so I think things are starting off on a really positive foot. Um, Ancelotti spoke about the positivity around the environment of of the dressing room, how everyone is getting along, even those players that don't necessarily get as many minutes as the the primary starters. Everybody seems to be rowing in the same direction and they all believe in the same cause. And everybody really adores Carlo Ancelotti and the way that he does his, his business, really his methods to it all. It's not just about fantastic man management. He's also an astute tactician. I think he's proved that. It just flies under the radar a bit. And I think it's really telling that they didn't dip into the market all that much. They had been building that war test for the last few years, thinking that Kylian Mbappe was going to come. But by the fact that he didn't come, they had all of a sudden hundreds of millions of euros available to, to spend, if they so desired. And they said, you know what, actually, we really need to just make very small modifications And more long-term planning. And I think they made some really shrewd signings in both uh, Chouamini, as you said, and Antonio Rudiger. Two very different profiles, two very different, I think, ideas around what they can offer the team as well. Um, In the sense that Chouamini is someone for the future. He's 22 years old. He's incredibly young. He's one of the best up-and-coming young talents, I think, in world football right now. And um, making quite a statement as well with the French national team. He has a lot to offer the midfield that's already incredibly stacked, as you already pointed out. And there's another name that is not even in the list that we should consider. And that's Ceballos. Ceballos was hard done by uh, last season in, in Carlo Ancelotti's, by his own admission. He said, you know, it's really unfair. I've been unfair to him. I haven't been giving him the minutes that he deserves. But the problem is when you have Tony Kroos, Lugo Modric and Casemiro, nobody can get into that midfield. So there is this belief that there will be more rotations happening this season, um, almost out of necessity because of the World Cup and um, because it's just going to be a bit of a strange season in general with that. And that's why I think they also brought in Antonio Rudiger, who is versatile. He can play as a fullback, he can play as a centre-back, although I think he'd prefer to play as a centre-back. The problem is Ancelotti doesn't want to fix what isn't broken, right? And that partnership between Alaba and Militao works so incredibly well. He doesn't want to break up that, that partnership. So the big question is: Does Rudiger play at left back? Is he going to replace Mendy, or is Rudiger just going to be second to to one of those two in the middle, or or, or is he going to be rotating? I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see what it is that Carlo Ancelotti ultimately decides to do. To your point about Karim Benzema not having a backup. The interesting thing that Carlo Ancelotti has been doing in the summer to try and find a solution is to use Eden Hazard as a false nine, because they don't really have a pro mean, Let's face it; nobody in world football really can kind of measure up to Karim Benzema in that in that position. Maybe other than Lewandowski um, or a few others, a handful of a few others. So it would be very hard to find a plan B in someone who's willing to sit on the bench week in, week out, waiting for an opportunity just like lukajovic did, just like Mariano did, and basically got a handful of minutes last season and performed. Okay, they did well enough, I think, but for whatever reason, Ancelotti didn't want to keep them around. So I don't think they're actually going to find anyone. I don't think because they want to. And the plan is to try and keep Benzema fit and uh, not get injured, not get a cold, as Ancelotti put it. And if that does happen, then have some kind of plan B in place, which could be and Hazard. So I think they've got things pretty well sorted at this point in time, if I'm honest. And I think they'll be the ones to beat for the title.
1: Well, well sorted is not exactly the description that we have to give to the next team that we're going to talk about. Because (laughs) obviously, as Joe and I, and obviously you know, Semra, this team in Barcelona has been dealing with... Quite a dramatical summer, I would say. Is that a word? I don't know. But either way, I think obviously this is a team that has been going through a lot in this summer and are still going. We don't know what's going to happen to them. But obviously what we do know is that obviously Xavi side has gotten the likes of Frank Cassie and Christensen on a free. They bring in Rafinha from Leeds for $58 million. They bring in... Lewandowski, which is, I think is a huge coup for them, for 45. Jules Koundé stealing them from Chelsea, basically, um, for 50 million. This is a side that has spent a lot. And yet, there are still doubts about where they're getting this money. We don't know what really is true these days in Barcelona. We're seeing it on social media. We're seeing it from directors of Barcelona. We're seeing it from everywhere. We don't know what's true at this point. What we do know is that Barcelona have gotten enough money from them, we also don't know what really is the uncertainty with the likes of Frankie de Jong and what his future will be at Barcelona. So, you know, Semra, I mean, obviously we can go on for an hour, but we only have limited time in this case to talk about Barcelona. But just what your overall thoughts is on, on Barcelona, and even with all the mess that's going on for them, and and even with all the the transfers that has gotten um, given to them in the in the summer transfer window, do you think that they still have what it takes to really contend for Madrid for this La Liga title?
0: Oh, where do I even begin? And I think that in itself is is very telling of the situation with with Barcelona. Maybe I'll go in the reverse order with the question, the last question you just asked me. Do I think they can contend for the title? I think that is strictly contingent upon whether they're able to register the players or not. Because right now there are seven players who have yet to be registered. Five of the new signings, plus Sergio Roberto and Dembele, who had contract extensions, so they count them as new players, even though they've already been at Barcelona for a few years. So none of them have been able to be registered yet to play in La Liga. The Champions League is a different story, however. Um, So for me, until I get a full picture of who's actually going to be available for selection then I'm not really sure whether I can give you an answer as to whether they'll be able to contend or not. If they get everybody registered in time, then I think yes, without a doubt. And I think that's the expectation. And it should be nothing short of we have to win something this season. And at the very least, La Liga. If they don't get those players registered, then it will be interesting to see if any of them do, how many, who it's going to be. um, And then based on that, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think the one thing for sure that is not likely to happen is to get them registered before Saturday, before the first um, the first game of the season. They'll be playing against Ray Beccano on Saturday. And they're really scrambling right now, hardcore, to try and get all of their financial ducks in a row to get everybody registered at once, which is what they prefer to do, rather than spreading them out over the next few weeks. Um And one of the reasons, or one of the ways they're trying to do that right now, is by pulling a fourth economic lever. And the plan, apparently, is to sell off another 25% of their TV rights over an extended period of time. That's the idea. I was just reading now that within the last hour or so, there's some troubles coming up with that. We don't know what they are as of yet but they were expected to make an announcement today that they were going to activate this fourth lever and some kind of hitch has come into play and they haven't been able to do that so far. So what they want to do is get about 100 million in the bank by selling off this 25% and that in theory would then be enough to meet the requirements that have been set in place by La Liga and the financial fair play rules that they have to then say, okay, you can register those players. So now... In parallel, they're also trying to find other creative solutions. Um, one of the things they've been doing the last couple of days has been talking to uh, Busquets, who is one of the captains, asking him to either lower or defer his wages to spread it out over the next couple of seasons to find some kind of solution, um, at least in the short term with that. He already did that last season as well, I think, so this would be the second time he does it. I think another player as well, maybe Piquet, is another one who will do so if he hasn't yet done so. Um, they've just loaned out Nico, who is an academy product, who's also meant to be kind of like the next Busquets one day. They've loaned him out for the season to Valencia. So he's off the books. They're really trying very hard to get Martin Brathwaite out the door. Uh, maybe even Memphis Depay as well. And that is because Frankie de Jong doesn't want to leave. And personally, I think what they're doing to him is terrible. And they shouldn't be putting him in that position because it's not his fault to begin with. And he shouldn't have to shoulder the responsibility and the burden of being the one and only solution in order for Barcelona to register all these new players that they're bringing in and all the high salaries that will be uh, being paid. So it's a very complex situation for Barcelona right now. And there's not really an easy or a quick-fire solution And so I don't know exactly what's going to happen. No one really knows what's going to happen. Some of those players actually have in their contracts reportedly release clauses that say, you know, if my client doesn't get registered by X date, for example, this Saturday, then they have the option to walk away for free. And they can change clubs before the market is over. Not that players are apparently interested in actually activating it, but it is there. So then all of a sudden, you've got a huge mess on your hands. It's humiliating for the club. It's humiliating for the board if something like that were to happen. Um, so it's just, in summary, the gift that keeps on giving, you know?
1: <laughs> it really is. And honestly, I think for Real Madrid, I mean, you know, you talk about the chaos that has gone through that club for many years. You would think, wow, we're actually glad that it's not us dealing with this in comparison to Barcelona because it just it's insane. That what's going on there? And, and you know, like you said, I agree. I think with Frankie de Jong, he, it's no fault to him that he's put into the situation and how he needs to be considered, you know, the one and only person that he is kind of like his decision is basically going to solve all of Barcelona's issues is it's ridiculous. It really is. So I'm curious to see what happens to this Barcelona side this season and well, what kind of team that we even get at this point heading into this La Liga season. And of course, you know, competing in the Champions League. Copa del Rey and other tournaments as well. But, Samara, I just want to talk about you know, obviously taking out the big two, but looking at the other teams that obviously couldn't be, that could be in contention. Obviously, we have Atletico Madrid with Cholo Simeone always fighting over there. They won La Liga two seasons ago. Villarreal won Europa League with Unai Emery. Betis, Raul Betis winning Copa del Rey as well. Sevilla, always a, a team that always makes things difficult. So I'm just wanting your thoughts on how you view these storylines for these teams. And look, if there is some sort of explosion happening at Barcelona, maybe even around Madrid as well, I mean, what do you view as if maybe these teams can indeed do something and and kind of
0: spoil the party? I think that irrespective of what happens with Barcelona, they'll still finish in the top four, meaning whether they register these players or not because Xavi was still able to get a fairly competitive team out of what he had to work with, which was pretty slim pickings for a while there. Um, and he still managed to change their attitude, the way they approached the game, to start playing a lot better than they were under Ronald Koeman. And for a period, we actually thought, oh my God, are they actually challenging Real Madrid? Can they do it? I mean, they were 12 points away, but it still felt like they were on this run of form that made you think, yeah, actually, maybe watch out here. So I think they'll end up top four, uh, along with Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. I think Atletico Madrid are in a perfect position. They're where they love to be, which is to be the underdogs. The pressure's off. It's when they're the favourites that it becomes a problem for them because they're not used to it, and so they don't perform as well as you would expect them to. I think the squad is stronger than it was last year. They brought him some great acquisitions, and Axel Witzel, someone who is incredibly uh, experienced, seasoned, played more than 200 games at the highest level. He's been around the block. He's won all kinds of silverware and he can add a lot of depth to a position where they really needed some reinforcement, which, funny enough, he's a defensive midfielder, but Simeone has been using him as a centre-back um, because he's got a lot of injuries with the centre-backs in the squad. So it's nice to see someone who can play this dual role if necessary. And they've also brought in um, Nahuel Molina, who is going to be playing it right back, and that was a really important position to be filled, because the loss of Kieran Trippier was huge for them. The whole system instruction, the way they played really kind of was hinging around him and the way that he performed. And there was nobody else on the team that could take that role whenever he left halfway through the season. That did a lot of damage to them. And so by virtue of having a proper right-back, the likes of Marcos Llorente can be released to play further up the pitch, to have more freedom, to be a real threat, which is what he was a couple of seasons ago. But then Simeone basically ruled him ineffective by dropping him deep last season to kind of patch up different holes. So I think they're in really good shape. They don't have Luis Suarez anymore. They've, with his departure, I've gone his 32 goals over the last two seasons. But they have got so much talent up front in, in Morata coming back to the side from loan. It seems like he's going to stay as well. You've got Griezmann, Joao Felix, Carrasco, Correa the team's top scorer last season and Cunha a really exciting Brazilian forward and striker who really I think could be someone who could rise to prominence for the team so I'd say they're in very good shape and while I think they'll probably finish third they have a great opportunity to maybe sneak into the top two um that fourth place for me is really up for grabs I actually want to put my money in Villarreal this year and the reason I say that is because they've done well in the market they haven't done too much but they've been smart about who they brought on board. They've taken Levante's captain, uh, Jose Luis Morales. So they love having midfielders who are very creative in, in that side. In Highmere, he's done a great job with that. So he's a great addition. They may bring in another striker to help Jordan um, Moreno, who was he's basically the talisman, but he was having so many injuries last season that he couldn't really perform as much as they needed him to. And the main focus for them now, they'll be playing in the Conference League, is to find balance domestically and in continental competition, which is something that they severely lack. They were great in Europe last season, but they were terrible in the league. So I think they can focus on that, and they'll do quite well. He mentioned Sevilla and Real Betis. Sevilla have not had a great summer. Um, Normally, they are the type of club that is designed to sell players on, but they determine the timings of how and when they want to do that. And in some ways it's kind of been imposed on them this season. So they've lost both of their centre-backs. It's done a world of damage for them in the pre-season. Um, they brought in Teles from Manchester United at left-back. So that position now has two players that can really fill in for that role, which is great news for them. They need that. But they also still need to bring in one more centre-back. Marcao came into the side and... uh, they need a striker. They really need a striker desperately because they really didn't score hardly at all last season. It was the defense that kept them in the top four. And so we'll see. There's a couple of weeks left, obviously. I think business is still yet to be done there. But if they don't do more business, then I'm not entirely convinced they'll make it into the top four And the same with Real because they have also been having some financial issues. They have a couple of players like Joaquin who hasn't been able to register registered yet. They haven't really brought anybody in, only a couple of players. And so it'll be fascinating to see whether they'll be stretched across the Europa League and the League and the Cup for next season, if they have enough to really cope with all of that. Um, So... Yeah, I think it's it's going to be an interesting battle for that fourth place position. But going into the season, I would say I, I would definitely back Villarreal. I think.
2: So I, I we'll we'll finalize your your top four definitely in a minute. But I want to jump back to Atleti because I want to ask a couple of questions. First, on Joao Felix, uh, much was made about him coming over a few years ago uh, from Portugal. Uh, He hasn't, I don't know that people have seen him, uh, that he's gotten to his potential, right, in terms of what he's shown sparks of it, certainly left and right, but never really on a consistent basis. Is this kind of his season to really show what he's capable of at at (laughs) Athletic?
0: It's funny because we ask the same question every single season. We start to feel like broken records every season because we're like, this is the year of João Felix. He's the most expensive signing in in Atletico Madrid's history and he's got to deliver at some stage, right? I think part of the problem is that while he's vastly talented, there's no question about that, um, I'm not so sure that he's at the right club for his style of play. And I'm not so sure that he fits all that well into what Simeone wants to do. Um, but again, I think we have to wait and see what he wants to do this season. Because last season, uh, Simeone openly talked about how he made himself dizzy with all of the changes. He would change his system three times in a game. The players would look completely confused and they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. And he said, well, if I was confused, I mean, imagine them. So that didn't help anybody really And so I think if he has a clear idea and he knows how to get the best out of Joao Felix, then absolutely, this could and should be the year for him. And hopefully we can see him perform on a consistent basis because when he has delivered, he's been phenomenal. And he's been very important for the team and he's delivered in important moments. So again, now that Luis Suarez is gone and you've got Morata back, who, by the way, has been the most outstanding player in the squad in the preseason, the question then becomes... Well, where do you put Joao Felix? Do you go with a two-prong attack? Do you go with three in the front? Do you have um, a 5 four, one I mean, what what exactly does Samuel want to do? How is he going to fit those pieces together? So I hope for his sake and for Athletic Madrid's sake, he does have a great season ahead of him because it's high time that it happens. But unfortunately, so far, all he's shown to us is, is inconsistency.
2: It's very true. It's very true. Let's uh, let's go into the predictions, right? And I, and I think I've gotten your, you know, just from listening to you talk t- uh, to us tonight, and thanks again for joining us, that you've got a top four of Real Madrid, Barcelona second, Atleti third, and Villarreal fourth. Am I correct?
0: Uh, I would say the, so, I, you can come back to me in a month. After, after the market <laughs> closes, I'll tell you about which position Real Madrid and Barcelona are in. But, yeah, I would say the other two would be Atletico Madrid and Villarreal. Something would have to go terribly wrong for one of those big three not to be there. And, yeah, I want it to be Villarreal's year. They came Mm. so close to making it to the final of the Champions League. And Unai Emery's done such a great job I, I would love to see them get back in the Champions League again.
2: You know, it's funny. When you say come back to you in a month, I, I think we could come back to you in an hour, the way Barcelona has been running lately. We, you never yeah, know no know That, that <laughs> news changes by the minute. Um, for me personally, I have Real Madrid. I have Atleti second. Uh, I think that Simeone, like you said, when he is the underdog, when he's under the radar is when he kind of shines. Um, and I really think he's going to find a way to sneak into that second spot whether it is with a 100% performing Joao Felix will, will remain to be seen. Um, Barca, I think the problem with Barca, and I've got them finishing third, but Barca's problem is going to be the distraction of everything else going around Barca. I, I think will really hinder them, and I, and I expect a slow start out of Barcelona because of it. Uh, now, the Barcelona we see in March or April of this year, May be a very very different Barcelona from the Barcelona we see in August and September, but I I do think that they're going to get off on the wrong foot just because of all the uncertainty that surrounds them by the minute uh, now. And I went for fourth. I debated between Villarreal. I debated between Sevilla. I, I think that they were an option there as well. I ended up going with Real Batiste. uh There's something about that team that is just there's, there's so much grit and determination in them that I feel like that they're going to be the fourth place team. It's going to be a, a one heck of a battle. By the way, for me, for fourth place, I think we're going to see three or four teams battle for that spot. Um, Roberto, how about you? We don't have you on record. What are, What's your top four look like for uh, for this year for La Liga?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the managers really there, you know, managing the side. It's a who's who. You got Ancelotti. You got Xavi, Simeone. Um, obviously, Unai Emery, like you had mentioned in Bessie's with Pellegrini. Lobategi at Sevilla, I mean there's a lot of good managers as well and, and really experienced ones that can really make this kind of a a showcase for them. But I think I have to agree with, you know, both of you guys. I think Real Madrid win as champions. I think, you know, even irrespective of the mess that's going on with Barcelona, if it all goes well, I still think they don't have enough to, to really go in and, and contend Real Madrid. It'll be tight. But I just don't think, and I agree with you, Joe, that I think the mess that's been going on is just going to serve as a, as a bigger distraction for them to to really go off on a slow start. So I got them going second. I think Atleti will finish third. And honestly, I'm going to go with Semer on this one. I think Villarreal, it's just mm. like, I, I was so impressed by this side last season in the Champions League. I, I think Unai Emery is a really underrated manager. And I think, you know, given his titles and given his CV, you know, people want to talk about what he didn't do at, at Arsenal and English football and even at PSG. But irrespective of that, I think he's still a quality manager. I mean, come on. How many Europa Leagues that he's won? He's he's quality on its own. So I think VRL finished fourth in this one and, and go back to the Champions League. So um,
2: before I go into the uh, the relegation uh, predictions, um, I, I'd like to ask Semra, on August 29th, we have the matchup. We have a great matchup. We have uh, uh, Valencia versus uh, Atletico Madrid. Should this match be decided by a knife fight between the two managers at midfield instead of actually <laughs> playing the ninety minutes? Because I think that would actually be much more entertaining. Oh
0: lord! <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't. I, you know what? It could happen too. I wouldn't last them. <laughs>
2: I I think there should be an over under on red cards. In that one, on the bench, yeah, yeah but, you know, but it's
0: yeah, I have to say, watch Valencia, watch Gattuso in general, because yeah. I think there's going to be fireworks, and I'm not totally convinced he's even going to make it to Christmas.
2: <laughs> that, that I would agree with that as well. So, um, let's look at the relegation battle, we, which uh, last season, and I'm just going to call up my notes here from last season, was an incredible relegation battle for the last couple spots. Granada ended up being relegated, but only by one point to Cadiz, Mallorca, and Getafe. And this year coming up is Girona, uh, Valladolid, and Almeria. Uh, looking at the at the teams and what they've kind of done over this past transfer window, for me, my prediction in no particular order is I think Valladolid and Almeria are going to back down, and I think they're going to take Cadiz with them. I think Girona is going to actually survive and and I don't have too much to base on that other than the fact that Tati Castellano coming over from MLS to Cadiz, uh, to Girona, uh, I think will add a nice little uh, scoring spark. to mm. them. And, and so I think that'll, that, that'll be something that uh, is worth watching, but those are going to be my three uh, relegated sides. What are, what are your thoughts on relegation?
0: Oh, I'll be honest with you. It's not something that I've really thought about um, because I like to give everybody a chance at the start of the season. You yeah? know, yeah. um, I think the one that really stands out to me would be Almeria. I agree with you. I think they haven't done enough to really prepare the squad for life in the first division. It's been a while since they've been there. Um, They haven't hardly made any signings, really. And they're very likely to lose their most important player, Omar Sadiq, who is... I think he was the top scorer in the second division, or one of the top scorers in the second division, certainly for Almeria. He scored bucket loads of goals, vastly talented. And actually, he has quite a few um, clubs over in England, as well as in the in the top flight in Spain, that are that are interested in hiring his services. So he may be leaving uh, in the next couple of weeks, which would be a big, big blow to Almeria. So for me, I would say they're going down. Um, I would maybe even... Say Mallorca. Mallorca, I think, needs to be a little bit careful. Um, the best news is that they've been able to keep Murighi, um, which is their, their striker that they've brought in halfway through the season, and Peperina. Reina. Uh, no, just Pepe Reina. he left her, I think. Sorry, I'm... I might be getting myself a little bit confused. but Oh, no, they brought in another goalkeeper, I'm sorry. They and do. so they've, they've strengthened in those two positions, those two key areas where they, they really needed to to have a little bit of help. So Moriki staying is great news, but I don't think it's going to be enough to keep him up. So then the third, the third, I think I might agree with you about Cádiz. Hmm. I think I might agree with you. I think Girona have a solid project. They have a great manager and they've made some really good signings as well. You've already pointed out. Uh, one of them, I think they'll be okay. And I also think that via the leader, another team that is a sh- historically in the first division. They have another solid project behind them as well. They're really preparing themselves to not only just come up and to stay up. And so they'll make the investment that necessary and they have the money to a degree to do so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll go with Cali.
2: Roberto, what are your thoughts on the
1: relegation battle? Oh, man. Again, it's always tight. It's always, like, when you look at these races in La Liga, I think always the relegation races are so, so tidy because we could really go into a team that's in other chaos, like a a Valencia, and then they end up staying up, and then a team like, I don't know, Espanol go down. So I don't know, honestly. But if I have to choose my three, I think I'm going to have to side with Semra on this one. I think uh, Almeria does go down. No particular order, obviously. Almeria... I'm going to say uh, – I hope that Tati Castellanos can help this Girona side. I really do like that that team. I think they stay up. So I'm going to go for Media, Mallorca, and Elche. Elche. Okay. Oh, okay. interesting. That was, that was an
2: interesting call. Yeah, I thought that too because they – they didn't have a, a terrible season last season, but they I think they were mid table thirteenth. Thirteenth, so, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but still, you know, close enough. You know, even you look at Vallecano or even like you said, Roberto Espanol. Um, you know, there's it's anywhere in that range where you've really got to watch out. Uh, and if you haven't done enough to improve your squad going into the season, I think it's 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 concerning. So, um, we'll have to see uh, if we're right uh, sometime in May. So. Uh, Semra, (laughs) I want to thank you again for joining us and helping us preview La Liga for the season. All the best, uh, you at La Liga TV, and we look forward to having you back again soon.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoy the new season coming up, and I'm
2: sure we'll speak again soon and special thanks again to Semra Hunter for joining us on this show Roberto we've got some matches of the week to give you now granted our show is going to be released a little early so the matches for this weekend the uh, the, the, the 13th and the 14th we gave you on last week's show so these matches will begin starting August 17th and on Wednesday August 17th we're going to kick off with an MLS matchup between NYCFC and Charlotte FC at 8pm and then on Saturday we're going to go to Germany where Union Berlin and RB Leipzig will be uh, kicking off at 1230pm I know A lot of Americans will be watching that for Jordan Pifak scoring in week one for Union Berlin. So many eyes will be on that. Then on Sunday, the 21st, we're going to kick off at 1230 p.m. with Napoli and Monza uh in the Serie ah then we will move to you know one of the better matches of the week with atletico madrid and Villarreal at 1 30 p.m we'll then head over to france for lille and psg at 245 and then the big one at 3 p.m on sunday which is an odd start time for england but manchester united and liverpool will kick off 3 p.m on sunday the 21st again check your local listings for more information and any of their matches that'll be coming up this week Roberto, I asked you earlier about uh, the top five winners of the La Liga title historically. So can you give me five names?
1: Well, off the bat, obviously, are the three names that I think are going to finish in the top three okay. in our prediction, so obviously those three are Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atleti.
2: Real Madrid won 35, last one was in 21 Barcelona 26, they're second on this list, last mat- last title they won was in 2018-2019, Atleti is third on the list with 11 championships, uh, last one was in 20-21, and those are the uh, only three teams with double digit La Liga titles. Can, can you give me the other two. I want to say Sevilla, but I don't think they have enough on the list Sevilla to make the top five. Sevilla has only won this title one time. They are not on the top five.
1: That's what I thought. They have a lot of European silverware, but I don't think they've won a lot domestically. They've been
2: runner-up four times.
1: There you go. All right. Um, I think this name, Some for some reason, I always think of them as like one of those historical giants, but this is way back. Mm-hmm. Athletic Boba? Athletic Club is fourth on this list with
2: eight titles, and their last title was in 83-84. And so the last
1: one, I'm going to say... So I got two names. I got two teams that I'm thinking of.
2: Okay.
1: I'm going to say Valencia. Valencia's fifth on the list. Six titles. Uh,
2: their last one was in 2003-2004. What was the other team? Uh, I was thinking Betis. Betis, is, uh, they have only won one title as well. So the top, okay. uh, the top nine, because only nine teams have won the La Liga title. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The only nine teams have won this title. Real Madrid, Barca, Atleti, Athletic Club, Valencia. Those are the top five. Then Sociedad has won it twice. Mm-hmm. Deportivo La Coruña once. Mm-hmm. And then Sevilla and Real Betis uh, have both won it once each as well. Betis has only finished in the top two once. And that was in 1934, 1935. So there's your La Liga question for the week. So without further ado, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 364 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Semra Hunter for joining us on the show. Next week, we're going to go back and look at week two of England, France, Germany, and week one of Italy and Spain, as all leagues will be up and rolling in action. And we'll also try to start scheduling our World Cup previews as well. So, for episode 364 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and Good night.